If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. A lot of people think that plastic is inert or that if it leaches, is it is in such small quantities that it won't affect their, their health. How can we use the analogy of pasta and pasta sauce to better understand plastics and their health impacts? Why is it that we urgently need more research and development to find alternatives to plastic, especially for food packaging? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. If you're not already following me on Instagram, you can find me there at Kamea Shane. That's K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E. I'll be sharing more of my ongoing learning lessons, inspirations in wellness and sustainability, and reminders for you to recenter and stay grounded because we need you to be in your best health to support this movement. I look forward to connecting there. And now to our episode, let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the co-owner and co-founder of Life Without Plastic with business partner Jay Sinha. Life Without Plastic is a one-stop shop for all things, well, non-plastic. Our guest is the CEO of the company and does all kinds of things. She works on product sourcing, accounting, purchasing, marketing, website development, and business development. On top of this, she also loves playing with her son, doing anything related to tennis, and developing her practice as a trademark lawyer. Definitely a busy body, so I'm just so grateful that we had this opportunity to learn from this pioneer in tackling plastic pollution, who was definitely well ahead of the game. Green Dreamer, starting with what inspired her passion for nature, here's Chantal Plamondon. I, I think it started when I was really young. Um, so I live in Canada in uh, Wakefield right now, but I grew up in a town called Saint-Thérèse. It's just north of Montreal. And uh, with my family, every summer we would go on long road trips uh, around the country. We would uh, 
pick a destination. And often it was um, uh, going to explore nature. We would go on these road trips along the St. Lawrence River or uh, way back in the bush in some isolated lake where we would go fishing and just camping and enjoying nature. So um, I think it gave me a deep appreciation for the beauty of our natural environment and a desire to protect it and keep it beautiful for future generations. Yeah. And at what point did you realize that our planet like needs protection or is being harmed? Well, um, I, th I think we've, we've heard it <laughs> through the news forever. Like, I, I don't remember a point in time when I started to hear more bad news about the state of the planets. Like, it seems like it's been a constant chatter. Like it was when I was growing up, it was like pesticides and DDT, um, the, the, the problems with, um, um, you know, birds that were dying because of all the pesticides that were being used and insecticides. And um, there was also uh, just like, you know, problems with uh, like Chernobyl at the end of the 80s. And then, you know, the green gas uh, effect problem, like uh, the carbon, all the carbon going into our environment and uh, creating global warming. I think it's been it's been kind of in the background discourse for a long time. So I think I've been always, you know, involved and aware of the problems that we were causing to our environment. And like the disparition of um, the disappearance of, um, of endangered species, um, it's, it's, it's been it's been going on for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we've been <laughs> horrible for a long time. <laughs> there is one in, in Quebec, there is a, um, a traditional dish that we call tourtière. And it's it's like a, a meat pie that they used to make with a bird called the tourte. Uh -huh. And that's why they called it tourtière. Well, that bird used to be one of the most uh, abundant birds in uh, in North America, like especially in the northern part of North America, and it disappeared because people just yeah, completely. It, it just got got overhunted, and uh, it would it would it was a very fearless bird, and it would not be afraid of humans, and it would kind of. Uh, fly in flocks, and I guess people started just killing them in droves, and like just got rid of them. It's it's really unfortunate, and this happened about a hundred years ago. So so the problems with our environment are not new. It's been going on for a long time, <laughs> for sure. And for you, what led you to focusing on plastic pollution in particular? Uh, my son was born in two thousand three, and I remember watching him. And put everything in his mouth and especially all the plastic surrounding him like toys and like everything was in plastic is is dishes is is baby bottles is uh, everything that he was even his clothing was in plastic and at that time I was I guess not really aware until I started reading magazines and articles about uh, the dangers of certain types of plastics and um, I being really confused about which plastics were good, which plastic were bad. And I decided, actually, they're probably all bad because they're all made of 
hundreds of chemical additives that can leach over time. And um, just just the colors, like the colors are synthetic. And, and I was also aware that they don't biodegrade. They just stay there. What do you do with a broken toy when you, when your kid is finished playing with it? You just discard it in the garbage. And so it kind of made me aware of the problem of plastic at that time. And um, I just started looking for alternatives. I started with trying to look for baby bottles that were not made of plastics because I was uh, breastfeeding him, but sometimes I needed to store my milk. And I knew that way back there used to be those glass baby bottles, but I couldn't find them anymore. That was in 2003, well, 2004 or five. So like during those years. And I was also looking for... Uh, a dish set that wasn't made of plastic, like stainless steel, stainless steel plates and bowls and cups for him. And it was just really hard to find. So um, so I kind of uh, decided to make some phone calls. And I remember calling Evenflow, the company that at that time used to make those glass baby bottles. But when I called the rep, he said, oh, we're just about to start discontinuing to make them because there's just no market anymore for them. Mm. I said, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Let me buy some first. And I had to buy them by the pallet. So I had to buy, I think, something like a thousand units. Oh, wow. So I thought might as well do that before they start discontinuing them. And I'm sure I'll be able to find other parents that are interested in getting some. So so that's how it started. I just kind of was uh, addressing my need, but knowing very well that probably other parents had the same need. And then having all these quantities, I had to kind of create an online store to start offering them to other parents. Mm-hmm. So, so that's pretty much how it started. Yeah. And why was this going out of fashion? Was it just because plastic was... Like, why were they phasing out glass? Why were people not wanting that anymore? Well, exactly. That's because uh, people were buying plastic and were not aware that plastic was a problem. And plastic bottles were cheaper. And not only the manufacturing of them, but the shipping of them. And and we, we still see that. Like, for instance, mayonnaise used to be only found in glass, same with ketchup and certain condiments. And now it's only, they're, they're only found in, in plastic containers because the, the cost of bringing them to the store or like carrying them, like the transportation cost is, is cheaper with plastic because they weigh less. So, so, so that's why they, pro- they were progressively phasing out glass because it was more expensive to manufacture, but also to, to transport. Yeah. So I think it was a cost issue. So what's something that most people don't know about the health impacts of plastic that we should know? Well, I think people think that a lot of people think that plastic is inert or that if it leaches, is it is in such small quantities that it won't affect their, their health. Well, for one thing, plastic is not inert. And I like to give the example of the spaghetti and its sauce. If the spaghetti is the plastic molecule, like the pure molecule of plastic, the, the, the sauce is all the additives that we add to it to, to make it look transparent, to give it a color, to, to give it all kinds of properties that we enjoy in certain plastic items that we buy. And um, 
that sauce is obviously not chemically bound to the spaghetti, right? It's it's kind of floating around. And it's the same thing with the chemical additives. Over time, they, they progressively leach out because they're not chemically bound. Mm. So so that's what happens when when we... I mean, there are certain substances in contact with plastic that will facilitate that leaching, like, for instance, acidic content, um, like lemon juice or vinegar or, or tomato sauce. Um, there's also uh, greasy content will tend to make the leaching happen faster. And also, of course, heat. That's why it is not recommended to to heat anything in a microwave because there's definitely, uh, I mean, to heat anything in a plastic container in a microwave, I mean, yeah. um, because um, the, the, the plastic is actually transferring to the food that you're heating and, and the, the heating is actually increasing the leaching. Yeah. So, um, so it's, uh, it, yeah, like, so, so heat, acidic content and, greasy or fatty content will increase that leaching of chemicals into into your food Mm -hmm. so that's that's one big um health issue and those chemicals they act on your body uh they can cause uh anything from from hormone disruption to cancer some some of these chemicals are quite harsh and the thing is, you don't need a lot of quantity to trigger a hormonal response. Um, so, so even small quantities that leach into your food is problematic. Definitely sounds alarming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with all of this knowledge in mind, what was the journey like that led you to starting your company, Life Without Plastic? So, so after, as I said, we started uh, bringing in some products that we needed for ourselves. We uh, started getting uh, a lot of feedback from from consumers that were really pleased with the fact that finally there was a store offering only plastic-free items, and they were kind of seeing us as the greenest of the green stores because we were not only concerned about what we were selling, the products we were selling, but also what they were made of and and their packaging. So we were trying to sell products that were not packaged in plastics and um, also that they were not, not made of plastics. So we were trying to find products that were ethically sourced, environmentally friendly, but also that kind of were in this like never ending cycle of the like the circular economy mm-hmm. principle. Like so if you buy something made of stainless steel, for instance, well, metal is 100% recyclable. Glass is 100% recyclable. But plastic is not. Plastic will eventually not be recyclable anymore. So, so that's why we were like making sure the products came from good suppliers with whom we were having good relationships, but also that they were healthy and uh, just were not packaged in wasteful plastics Mm -hmm. so so i think it's it's really our consumers that propelled us and and sustained us and supported us because there were definitely moments of discouragement when we weren't sure that we were really making a difference and that i think what was really difficult at the beginning was creating awareness about the, plas- the dangers of plastics, both for our health and the environment, because it, it just wasn't 
really in the news at all. People were not aware that plastic was a problem. So when we would go to trade shows, consumers would often ask us, but what's the problem with plastics? I recycle all my plastics. And uh, so we had to kind of start from zero and explain all the issues with the environment, with the health, but also with the problem with recycling, which is not necessarily a solution. Yeah. Can you take us back to one of those discouraging moments when you were first building up the business? Uh, well, I remember going to a trade show and uh, it was an environmental trade show in Montreal. I think it was called Salon de l'Environnement, in like environment trade show. And they were giving to all the attendees a plastic water bottle. <laughs> so I thought, oh my, my goodness, I'm not sure we're at the right place here. How are we going to start convincing attendees when the organizers were not even aware of the problem with plastics? So, um, so yeah, so, so those are examples of, you know, moments when we thought, oh, that we have so much work to do to raise awareness about plastics. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure we, we can do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So what keeps you going even in spite of all of these discouraging moments that pop up? Well, well, I think it's, yeah, the feedback from our consumers, uh, definitely, uh, we get so much good feedback. They say they really trust what, what they buy from us and, um, they're really happy that we exist. <laughs> and, uh, I think also the fact that progressively there's been a lot more awareness in the news and around us. Um, people are come to us and they already know about the issue, which wasn't the case 10 years ago. But also like seeing things around us, like the fact that now bringing your own bag is pretty much established around us in our community and in a lot of communities. People really ha have developed the habit of bringing their own bags to the store. And that's encouraging because 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. But it's the fact of talking about the wastefulness of single-use plastic bags that has made people take notice and start changing their habit. So so that really gives me hope and keeps, keeps me going. And like I'm thinking, you know, after the bag, then there's a coffee mug, there's a, a straw, uh, utensils, all these things that we don't realize are harmful to our planet that people can start changing and you know bringing their reusable one and you know so 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 there's hope there's definitely hope yeah so you've seen awareness turn into action so that's exactly. exciting exactly. we're on the right path yes yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and today for your business you do like everything you do product sourcing accounting purchasing marketing website development and business development uh how do you stay organized to do everything <laughs> <laughs> why do you think i am organized <laughs> no that's that's a, that's a big challenge i am i feel a bit overwhelmed i must say um and also with with the increase of awareness that we've seen in the past few months. And I would say I can pinpoint exactly at the event. It's when that um, documentary, The Blue Planet 2, was shown in the UK back, uh, I think it was in December or January, around that time. A lot of awareness suddenly started in the UK and spread to North America. And like suddenly everybody wanted 
um, to ask us a question about something or to um, like we, we just started getting so many more emails, so many more requests. And I mean, it's it's good also for our business, for sure. Uh, but it just brings so much more work and we're a small team. So so I have to say that I need to get a better system to deal with my inbox. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise... For the other aspect that you mentioned, I have this uh, amazing assistant. Her name is Sarah. She's my operations manager, and she's she's been my lifesaver. She really helps me out a lot. She's super organized. So, yeah. with her, I think uh, we 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 kind of stay on top of things, sort of. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting I'm, a lot of interest. Yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so what do you think has been key to Life Without Plastic becoming an established authority and one-stop shop within the sustainability space? I think it's our longevity. The fact that we've been around since 2006, well, like we launched our first website in, in 2006, so it's been 12 years. Um, I think, you know, Progressively, we started building um, a, f- a following. People started to know about us through word of mouth, and, and um, so, so, so I, I, th- I think that you know the word of mouth effect. But also, I think we've gained credibility through keeping our word. You know, like people have recognized that the products we sell are really high quality and they're really ethically sourced and we we keep good relationship with with our suppliers that really makes a difference so so we we have really loyal followers and um and and i think also publishing a book uh we published a book back in december that kind of summarizes our 12 years of experience in that field all the information we've gained and a lot of practical tips i think that has also um helped us, you know, gain credibility and, and create that uh, following and that, that, that influence that you're talking about. You've really stayed true to your values. So people trust yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd love to hear a little more about your book. So it's also called Life Without Plastic. Um, and I believe it has a longer subtitle. <laughs> yes, the subtitle is The Practical Step-by-Step Guide to Avoiding Plastic to Keep Your Family and the Planet Healthy. Yay, so important. Yay. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, what's like the biggest message you want to get out there from this book? Um, I think the biggest message is that small steps work. You know, a lot of people are really overwhelmed, like when they hear about the problems of plastics in the ocean and they they, they, they become aware of the issue and they want to do something and then they realize, they look around them and they see all the plastics in their homes and uh, they, they, they just feel so powerless. Um, but I think what we're saying is that a majority of the weight waste we're generating come from a few single-use plastic items that we can easily replace in our homes. So there are small steps people can take just to have a, a bigger impact than, than, than if they try to change everything in their house. So for instance, the coffee mug, we can bring, people are not always aware that they can bring a coffee mug at their local coffee shop. 
like Starbucks, for instance, will accept your reusable mug, will refill it, and even give you a rebate if you bring your own mug. Um, and that can save so many mugs, so, so many of these disposable plastic uh, coffee mugs every year. Like if you take one coffee every day, so that's 365 potentially, even on weekends, 365 coffee mugs per year, that's a lot of mugs, one person. Mm-hmm. So so I think, I think that's the, the biggest message, that there are small steps you can take that will have a big impact. And what we do is in the book, first we explain the issue, the environmental issue and the health issues. And then we, we go through each room in your house and what are the, the most problematic plastics and what alternatives exist to replace them. For sure. So plastic pollution is like a huge global issue, but we really can take very simple, specific steps in our own lives to make a difference. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And in the bigger picture, what are your current greatest frustrations with our current ways of waste management, whether that's systemic or uh, based on individual consumer behavior? I think that um, it has to be the big uh, fuss about recycling. I think a lot of hope is put on recycling, and I think it's a bit misguided. Yes, recycling is one of the solutions, and um, certainly in some countries, like in Europe, uh, the recycling rate is up to 30%, which is great. Uh, here in North America, it's more like 10 to 15%. Uh, not that great. But even 30% is not that great, really. Yeah. And when you think that um, of those recycled items, they can only be recycled once, and then... That's probably it. Maybe one other time, but plastic cannot be recycled forever. At one point, they will end up in the landfill. So focusing on recycling as the solution, I think, is is misleading. And it might take energy away from trying to find really sustainable solutions, like finding real compostable packaging that will really go back to earth and feed the earth. Mm-hmm. And not be detrimental to it. Um, and and, and I, I'm often like uh, frustrated by frustrated by the lack of available solutions. Like I cannot believe that we can travel to the moon, but we're having <laughs> a hard time developing a packaging that is compostable and that can last, you know, a few days. That can, you know. Um, uh, be airtight and uh, keep moisture without disintegrating in 24 hours, you know, like there's got to be solutions. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they're really hard to find. I was contacted recently by a company that makes crackers. And she said, I really want to do the right thing. I want to, you know, have a, a, a good compostable packaging for my crackers but I just can't find anything. And like, so she was asking my opinion about those biodegradable PLA plastics, whether that was a good solution. And I I personally don't think that these are much better than plastics because they they really take a long time to biodegrade and they don't necessarily biodegrade in in, um, things, in in byproducts that are healthy for the earth, (laughs) that Mm. feeds the earth. And I I did a, a... a research for her and I just could not find 
a good compostable packaging that would keep our products airtight and yeah. would kind of last long enough for the shelf life that she required. So, so we really need more solutions. Yeah, it sounds like if we if we're smart enough to be able to travel to the moon, we should uh, be smart enough <laughs> yes. to come up with some sort of solution to it. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a question and, of priorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think? What do you think the individual can do to support this uh, more, like research and development into this space? Um, because it's kind of a, a larger issue, it's almost at the political level that things can change, um, that governments need to create more incentives for manufacturers to invest in research and development for new packaging. So I think what individuals can do is is pressure both their governments, their like local governments, um, national governments, but also manufacturers. Let manufacturers know that they're not happy with the single-use packaging that they're using. Um, the single-use disposable packaging that they're using, that they should care more about the environment and, and think about the entire life cycle of their products. When I go to, um, there's this trade show called Expo East and Expo West. These are trade shows where all the new organic super healthy natural products are being presented to retailers and every time I go there I'm always always discouraged by the fact that you have these amazing companies that create these wonderful products that are super healthy super organic and very nutritious like it's so good for you but they're all packaged in single-use plastic disposable containers or Uh. packaging and it it kind of goes against the philosophy of the product itself it's like a wonderful product for your health but it's not very good for the planet's health so so there needs to be kind of a little bit more pressure on these brands that we love for them to change to to make an effort to find better packaging better solutions so we just have to be more active citizens and be more vocal in terms of what we want to see for our world absolutely absolutely yeah yeah well what's next for you that we can look forward to and support so last year we launched this uh, kickstarter for a an amazing lunch bag that is made of cotton canvas, uh, organic cotton canvas with um, wool panels that you can put in and remove when you want to wash your your lunch bag. So it's an um, insulated lunch bag that mm. keeps your food warm or cold. And um, the insulation is made with leftovers from uh, the manufacturing process of a mattress company that makes organic mattresses made of wool and cotton. Mm. So it's like, it's a great product all around and it's probably the first washable insulated lunch bag in the market that we want to introduce so so we can look forward for this product to come to life it's um it's it's in the final stage of production and uh, if any of your listeners is interested there's still time to register to get uh, a pre-order of that bag that's awesome. Uh, so that's one very exciting news. And uh, other than that, well, we continue to promote our book, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, so my co-author, Jay, 
who is also the co-founder of the company, Jason Ha, and myself are doing talks um, around North America. Um, we go to various trade shows. You can send us an invitation if you have an event. And we're happy to discuss our book and discuss like practical tips on living uh, with less plastics. Amazing. And where can we go to follow your work online and updates? So I, I would suggest that you register for our newsletter. We have a newsletter that comes out maybe two or three times a month. And in it, we talk about all our new products, but also petitions or useful news about what's going on in the world of plastics and plastic-free living. So, so you can go on our website and you'll find a registration form there for that. But also we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter and on Instagram. You just look for Life Without Plastic and uh, you'll be able to find us. Before we go into our final five, I have an exciting news to share with you. In case you haven't heard, to thank you for being here, we're giving away a gift card from a sustainability-driven retailer or brand to one of our newsletter subscribers at the end of this month. I do need your contact information to let you know if you've won, so to sign up, you can just enter your email address at greendreamer.com. On top of receiving Sunday emails of updates and inspiration from the podcast, you'll also automatically be added for a chance to win our monthly giveaway. And now to our final five. Let's power through. What's one inspiring publication or social media account you follow? Uh, Treehugger. Uh, treehugger.com is a wonderful website and they send uh, a newsletter, I think, pretty much every day. And they all, I love their take on all these environmental issues and they're they're really radical in a good way and i really like what they talk about mm -hmm. what do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired i i actually look at my son and i love my son to bits and he's just a, a beautiful human being and i i feel like children can really absorb what we say, what we tell them, they're like little sponges. And it really keeps me inspired to see how we have a huge influence on the next generation. So that really keeps me going to just watch him, look at him. I'm inspired by him. <laughs> so sweet. Uh, what's one must do for your health, either daily or weekly? Uh, one thing I, I try to do at least three or four times a week are the five Tibetans. Have you heard of those? No, what is that? Those are five movements. They're like yoga movements, but they're supposed to really encourage good circulation in your in your body and they're really good for flexibility and for your core muscles like the 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 buttocks and the abs and um the, the, the arm muscles, which uh, we have to take care of when we get older. Yeah. And um, it, it, it takes like less than 10 minutes, maybe even five minutes. And if you Google the five Tibetans, you'll find many websites that talk about um, these, these uh, five movements that you can do that can really improve your health. Amazing. I definitely have to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, what's one simple action we can take for our planet's health this week? Um, I mentioned that earlier, but to bring your coffee mug to your favorite coffee shop, mm -hmm. that will make a huge difference. A reusable coffee mug, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? 
I'm really inspired by all that's happening on the plastic front for the past six months. And um, that the fact that governments are starting to really take action and starting to discuss solutions to the problem. And I'm proud to say that the Canadian government is really a leader in that space. And at the last G7 uh, meeting that took place last month, there was one item on their agenda about plastics and trying to find solutions. So um, so that really makes me hope hopeful right now that there are changes coming up and a real political will to change things. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Uh, I would say small steps. Uh, it starts with one new habit. Uh, we don't have to tackle everything. Just one small thing at a time can make a difference. Just take it one step at a time. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview in the show notes at greendreamer.com. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And again, you can follow me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.